was it Saturday or Friday? I guess it was last Friday. Our daughter turned 17. So, yeah, she had her 17th birthday. Now, um, my son is counting down the days where, because he, he just believes at 18, you pack up and leave. So he's, he's like, well, Morgan's going to be gone here really quick. I'm like, she, she doesn't have to leave at 18. No, she's got to go. So, so we celebrated Saturday, had kind of the family thing going on. And, and then we had some friends that, you know, we're really close with, and they said, we want to celebrate Morgan too. So we, we got together on Tuesday with them, and they, they planned it. It was like, okay, we'll get together. You guys plan it. We ended up in Syracuse, Indiana at the bowling alley eating, eating jumbo um, breaded tenderloins. It's Tenderloin Tuesday there and bowling. Anybody bowlers here? Like serious in a league bowlers? I just need to know who I'm going to offend right now. Anybody? We're, so we could all laugh because there's nobody raising their hand. Bowlers are different people, aren't they? I mean, you ever notice it? In our, in our society, in our culture, you know, there's groupings of people and then there's bowlers. They're very, very unique people. So here, here's how it went down. We were eating our tenderloin sandwich and bowling at the same time. I was working on my high score of 109. We were practicing that slide and, you know, the spinner. We had bumpers up um, because we, were, we had kids with us. So I had a 109 with bumpers because I was actually using the bumpers, you know, like pool. I, was, I got a strike after hitting it off the wall like this way, this way, and then strike. But as we're playing... The bowlers for the league for that night start showing up. These people are serious. They were rolling in with suitcases of bowling balls. One guy we counted, he, had, he was dragging two bags in. Each bag had three bowling balls. I'm thinking, what do you need six bowling balls for? I used one the whole night, except for when I got frustrated, I'd grab the little six-pound pinky and just give it a whip, you know? These guys had bowling balls. They... I watched one of them get his bowling ball out, and he had a special rag, polishing the ball. He had this Robotron wrist brace thing. I guess it's to keep your perfect form when you release the ball. And then the real serious bowlers had their own shoes. Now, here's my opinion. I always thought that bowling, part of the adventure of going going bowling, the fun of it, was to slip your foot into a shoe that you don't know who had their foot in. <laughs> Hoping that that thin material called a sock was going to buffer whatever disease was hanging out in that, in that shoe. Part of the fun was to see, can I leave without a foot disease? Holly. Holly's dry heaving over here. Holly told me, Tom, I've never had to hold my gag reflux back after last week's message about feet. Holly. (laughs) Holly, I'm not going to talk about feet anymore unless we're talking about being the feet of Jesus, of course, because that's spiritual. Yeah, there you go. Well, it should. Bowling, it should be required before you bowl. Thank you, Jack. But as these people were walking in, I started to recognize people I knew. So there's this one guy named Curtis that walked in, dragging his multiple bowling balls. And Curtis is a, a web designer, um, graphic designer guy for, for a business locally. But when he stepped through that door, 
Curtis became a bowler. He was no longer a graphic designer. He was Curtis the bowler. Curtis is one of these rare guys. He's told me, he told me that night, he came over to check my score. <clears throat> He's bowled three 300 games in his life. His goal is, since he started bowling every year, to bowl a 300 game. So he's one of these elite bowlers. He had the shirt on, the balding head with the point that comes to the middle because he just won't buzz it off like some of us do. He looked like a bowler. And then there's this guy named Troy that walked in. I'm like, I recognize the guy. And Troy is a service manager at a, deal, at a car dealership in Ligonier that we would take our car to to service. And I'm like, hey, there's Troy. But Troy became a bowler the minute he walked through the door. And here's what I recognize. As they walked through the door, it did not matter what their life was outside that door. They stopped being Curtis, the web designer. He stopped being Troy, the, the, the service manager. They were bowlers, and they were part of a bowling group of people, and they were united as bowlers. And, and as bowlers, as they got together, they had they had rules. So that one of the rules is that if you step up with your ball and the guy next to you steps up, you, can, you both can't go. There's etiquette to bowling. So you have to kind of bow out and step back and let that guy bowl. And then you have to say, hey, nice job, even if he hits a gutter. There's just these rules. But these bowlers are united together for one cause, and that's to roll a, a really heavy ball down a wooden slick lane and knock down a bunch of pins. Okay. So we're going to continue this morning with our talk on being all in as followers of God. And I want, to, I want to group that idea of being united into this idea of being all in followers of God. So if you haven't been with us or if you've missed one of the past few weeks, here's what we've been doing. We've been asking the question, what does an all in follower of God look like? So if I say, I want to be an all-in follower of God, what does it look like? And we've been looking at Acts chapter 2, and we've been, we've been just kind of extracting characteristics of what the early church looked like in Acts chapter 2. So, the, so in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes, they, some powerful stuff happens, they unite together, and, and basically the first church for Jesus starts, and we've been looking at what did, what did these people do, what did it look like as they became a united church. And so one of the things we looked at is that they were worshipers of God, true worshipers of God. And here's, here's one of the things I was thinking about in this idea of being a worshiper of, God, worshiper of God. The early church people, they knew God the Father. They had the Old Testament. They knew it. They knew of God the Father. Their experience with, with God Jesus, the Messiah, had, had just come to reality for them. They had met Jesus over his course of his ministry. They believed in who Jesus was. And when the Holy Spirit came, they met God, the Holy Spirit. And what they met was they saw the full image of God come together. They saw God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit come together, and they understood God in the full image on that day of Pentecost. And what that did is that drove them to being worshipers of God. They felt the love of God so strong that they were worshipers of God and they were committed worshipers of God. So when we talked about that, I just asked, are you a committed worshiper of God? Do you worship God? Is God your Lord? Next, we looked at that they were generous people. And when we talked about that, what, what we said was that because as they were worshiping God, because of their love for God, there became this love for each other, and there became this even playing field, and everybody was willing to sell possessions and to give money and to bring what they had so that the whole group can benefit, and that so, so that the, the God's kingdom can further. Okay, so then we looked at that they, they were uh, devoted to community. 
And as they gathered, they shared meals. They prayed together. They worshiped together. Simply, here's what they did. They did life together. And, it, and the question is, are you devoted to a community of believers, to a body of believers called a local church? And then last week, what we unpacked was that they were, they were Christians that served. And, and, and what, what we saw is when we have an all-in attitude for God, that what that does is that starts to loosen our selfishness and our desires to take care of ourselves and allows us to serve others. And, and you know, we talked about Jesus, you know, the, the humbly washing his disciples' feet. And, you know, I, I listened to the message, and I poked a lot of fun about that because, to me, that, that's always felt a little bit awkward. But here's what I want to make sure. I want to make sure that we know in no way was I trying to downplay the, the humility of what Jesus did by washing his feet. In no way was I trying to downplay, downplay what, what we, when we do a foot washing, the, 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 what that means to us, the symbolism of what that means, of humbly serving each other in that. And, and so we, we just saw that, that they served one another. And, and so I, I believe that in all of these aspects of an all-in follower of God, that there's benefits both for us personally and for the church when we choose to say, I'm all in. So when we choose to say, I'm all in as a worshiper of God, here's, here's one of the personal benefits. The personal benefit is that we are stepping into an arena of recognizing that God is the Lord of our life. We are taking the focus off of ourselves and we are acknowledging God as you are number one in our life. So when we're worshipers of God, we're saying it's not about me, it's all about you. When we worship God, the church benefits because our outward worship can strengthen and encourage the person next to us who just needs to, to understand what it's like to worship God. I remember I was sitting up here a few weeks ago, and a lady was sitting in the second row. Never been to church. I'd never been at our church before. She came, she came as a visitor. And during one of the songs, I just saw her worshiping, and it encouraged me that, wow, this lady was able to walk in here and engage with, with God in such a way that it, I was encouraged by her worship. When we're generous... Personally, we benefit because we're engaging in God's financial plan for our life. We're saying, God, you have a plan for our life. You have a plan for my finances. And when I'm generous with my finances back to you, I'm allowing your financial plan for my life to unfold. And to the church, the church benefits of, out of individual generosities because we have a vision. We have a, we have a plan that we're going. And, and the tithes and offering that you give to this church benefits so we can continue to grow and grow God's kingdom. When we serve, we personally benefit because we're doing what, what Jesus told us to do. And the church benefits because we're using our spiritual gifts to encourage one another and towards the body. And then I skip the community. When, we, when, we're, when we're devoted to community, we, we personally benefit by those around us. Those that are around us, we, we get to glean off of what they are able to bring to the table. And the church benefits because what we bring to the table those get to, get to receive from what we bring. And all these areas require us to be selfless. Everyone requires us to take the focus off ourselves, to love God and to love other people. And when we do this, it causes us to look more like Jesus. So here, here's what I want to do. There's one part left of, of this Acts chapter 2 that we've been looking at that I just want to uh, focus in on. And it's, it's the very last part of verse 47 in Acts chapter 2, it says this, that each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So we looked at all the characteristics of, the, of, of what an what a, what a all-in follower of God looks like, and it says 
And then God was adding to, to their numbers. So when we started Branches, we basically started with about six people. And we were meeting, I remember meeting around John and Sarah Payton's um, dining room table. And we started to talk about how are we going to grow this church that God told us to plant here in Warsaw. And we're having the meeting. And I remember one of the things we did was that Laura Bonke set up that we would go do First Fridays. And we stood out in December in the cold and we handed out coffee to people. And we probably had a little card that said, hey, we're Branches Church. I remember we had this little sandwich board that we used colored colored um, chalk and wrote, you know, the name of our church. You're smiling, Laura, because you remember this, don't you? And we, and we would go to First Fridays. Then when it got warmer, we'd take our truck and we'd dice up watermelon and hand out watermelon in the back of the truck. We, we, um, we did door hangers on people's doors. You might have been one that came because we, we hung a hanger on your door right before Easter saying, hey, we're going to have an Easter service on April 5th, 2015, come for this new church plant. So, so today is kind of our two-year anniversary as a church plant. April 5th, 2015, we had our very first Sunday morning service right here in this room just like this. And so we're right at that two-year mark as a church. So we, 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 we strategize on how are we going to add to God's kingdom, and we came up with these great ideas. I have this friend named Bob. Bob's kind of, Bob is probably in his 80s at this point, and Bob's one of these straightforward tell it like it is, no filter kind of guys. So when you talk to Bob, he's just going to say whatever comes to mind. But most of it is, is, is him encouraging people. So, so he'll go to the store and he'll go through the, the line and he'll say, hey, how you doing to the lady at the register? And she'll say, oh, I'm really, really feeling bad. You know, such as has happened in my home. And he'll say, well, I'll pray for you. And, you know, the lady will cordially say, oh, well, thank you very much. And then Bob will go, whoa, Lord, and just start praying for the lady while there's a line of people waiting to check out. And he's praying about this lady's struggles in her home. Bob has no filter. And Bob told me one time that he was on this committee of a church, the church he goes to, which is several hundred people. And the committee was to answer the question, how are we going to grow the church? How are we going to grow? How are, we gonna, how are people going to know about us? How are we going to grow the church? And so people were throwing out these ideas. And one person said, let's... Let's get bottles of water, and we'll put a sticker on them with the name of our church, and we'll hand them out in, this, in the town. Now, branches, we put stickers on bottles of water. We made stickers, and we handed bottles of water out on our first Friday. So somebody said, we're going to hand out bottles of water. And then another person said, well, why, why, don't we, why don't we do a free car wash in the city, and as people come through and we wash their car for free, we'll tell them about our church. And then somebody said, let's, let's do a carnival. We'll throw a big carnival in the park, and we'll invite the whole community. We'll tell them about the church. And old Bob stands up and says, I got an idea. Here's how we're going to grow this church. We're going to get somebody healed. And everybody looked at him like crickets. Just And, Bob, and they're like, what are you talking about, Bob? Bob says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to find somebody in our community or in our church who can't walk. And every, in our, the community is really small. Everybody's going to know this person. We're going to bring him in, and we're going to pray and believe that God's going to heal this person. And Bob has great faith, great faith. And Bob says, we're going to heal this person, or Jesus is going to heal this person through our prayers. What's going to happen, he's explaining this to the group, is that person's going to get healed and run out of here, and they're going to tell everybody in the community about what happened to them. And the next Sunday, we won't have enough seats for people in the church. They ended up doing a handing out water bottles. But when we look at the characteristics of the all-in follower of God in the early church, 
we see that God added to them daily. So we have to ask, why did God add to them daily? How? What was, the, what was there? Were they handing out water in, the, in, the, in front of the temple? Were they, were they doing a carnival? What was it that they were doing that God added to them daily? So here, here's some of the examples. We see in the, that in the first day, it says they were 3,000 people. In verse 47, it, says, it just says God was adding to them. In chapter 4, verse 4, it says that they had grown to 5,000 people, not including women and children. What do you think of that? We count women and children here. If you're pregnant, you count as two. <laughs> if you're thinking about pregnant, being pregnant, maybe we'll count you as a half. In chapter 6, there was some conflict that happened in the, within the early church. And, and the, the apostles came up with a solution, and it says that everybody agreed to their solution, and they, they moved forward. So they worked out their differences, and then it says that, that numbers of, of the believers were being greatly increased. So there was this great growth happening as the believers in God worshipped him, as they gave, as they communed together, and as they served, and it was because they were all united. And so this is what we're going to talk about, just being united as the body of Christ. So within Vineyard, here's what we have. We have these distinctives. If you've come, you've gotten a little book, and it says Vineyard Distinctives. And one of the distinctives we have, we, have, we call it the main and plain. And here, here's how I like to, here's how I like to um, define what the main and plain means. It means that we, we focus on God's word and who Jesus was, and that's, that's, that's our main and plain message. So our main message our main focus is the plain message of who Jesus is, what he came to do, and what he did, and then our responsibility for it. And here's what I believe. I believe that the early church focused on the main and plain because we can read and we can see that they, they were different people. We know they came from different villages. We know they came from different towns. We know that in verse 6, when the Greeks... The Greek-speaking people got added in. Then the, the, there was some conflict, racial co- conflict that happened. That's what, that's what happened in, verse, in chapter 6. So we know that they were, came from all different walks of life, yet I believe that they were united by a shared life in Jesus. I believe they said, we're willing to strip aside all the differences about us, but because of our love and our laser focus on who Jesus is in our life, we can be united as God's family. So when we choose to be all in, we become attractive to the world. Everyone wants to be a part of something, right? Even you, if you have to become a bowler. But when we nitpick over the areas of belief that we, dif- that we differ on, that's when the world says, I don't really want any part of that. And, and when we focus on the main plane of who Jesus is, and those are the mountains that we climb up, is who Jesus is in our life what he came to do, that's when people say, I want to be a part of that. There's something about that group because there's a unity amongst them, even though I can see that there's differences about them. So, so if you have your Bible, turn to, to John chapter 17. And I just want to look at a prayer that Jesus prayed. And this, this was right in the time, right after Jesus finished washing his disciples' feet. He spent some time with them that night. There, he downloaded a whole bunch of information to them. And then he looked up to heaven and started to pray for them. But he didn't only just pray for them. He, in, in, in his prayer, he prays for anyone who would be a follower of him. So John chapter 17, verse 20, here's what it says. It says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through this message. 
I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am you in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Verse 22, I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you loved them as much as you loved me. So for chapter 13, Jesus gets up and washes his disciples' feet. Chapter 13 through chapter 17 is, is Jesus spending his last night with his disciples. If you go into chapter 18 of John, it's, it's when he's, he is like all hell's breaking loose for him. He's, he's getting arrested. He's being denied. He's going to trial, that sort of thing. But in this block of time between chapter 13 and chapter 17, he is offloading to his disciples. And he finishes by looking up to heaven and praying for them. And what his prayer is, is that God make them one, just as you and I are one. Make them united, just as I are united. Make them be people that can group together and set aside their differences so that your kingdom can be known in this world. So, so here's what I believe Jesus, why Jesus was praying for unity, that when we are united, we reflect the image of God. When we're united, we reflect the image of God. Verse 21, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. He's praying that we would look like what him and his father's relationship look like. He's saying, we know we're made in God's image. We see that in, in, in Genesis. And this unity amongst the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is what he's asking that we would have his people, his followers, his people to share with the world about him, that we would reflect that same unity. When, when we're united, I believe it expresses our common love, purpose, and vision for each that we each carry. It, what it says is that we're united, we're all on the same page. It shows that our purpose as followers of God are to be worshipers of God, are to love one another, and are to share Jesus with the world. And then when we're united, it's, it's our key witness to the world. It says in verse 23, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you loved them as much as you as you love me. So I, I think about that and I say, they weren't passing out waters necessarily. They were loving each other. They were connected. They were, they were all in. And so the question I ask is, are we all in? Do we, do we say yes to Jesus and yes to following God and yes to worshiping and yes to serving and yes to being a part of a community and yes to giving, giving for God's kingdom? Have we st- stripped away the selfishness and the differences that we face with each other so that we can love God, so that Jesus can be our central focus. If you've listened to, if you've done the Alpha series with Nikki Gumbel, you'll hear this story. And so I just want to tell the story because I think it reflects some of the struggles we go through. Um, I'm pretty sure it's a true story. I don't know that it's been documented, but there was some, a guy who had been lost for 20 years and they found him on this island, and the rescuers go on to the island, and they discover, you're the guy that was lost, shipwrecked 20 years ago. And so as they're processing the guy to take him back to civilization, they recognize that this guy has built an awesome house. And they're like, what is this building? And he's like, that's my home. You built this building here on this island without power and without tools 
and with just what you were able to do with your hands and what you can fashion out of the earth. Yeah, I built this house. They were amazed at how awesome this house was that this guy built for himself. And as they're exploring, they see another building. They say, what is this building here? And he says, well, that's the church I go to. You built a church, a place of worship for yourself here on this island. Yeah, it's a great church. I love that church. And as they're looking around, they see another building. They say, well, what's that building? And the guy says, well, that's the church I used to go to. I think that's a true story because I think the minute you walk into a building, the church ceases to be perfect. So we've all walked in so the church is not perfect because we're just all a bunch of flawed people that are screwed up in our heads, that have a bunch of different thoughts about who God is and, and what God is about. And, and God's saying, just focus on who Jesus is, who my son is, why my son came, what he came to do. You know there's thousands of denominations in this world, thousands of denominations that call themselves Christian churches. If you were to look at all the denominations, I believe that majority of the denominations you'll find, they all believe who Jesus is, who he said he was, the things he did, and what he did for us, and they believe that we need to be followers of him to to have eternal life with, with God. I believe that. But their denominations, because they've nitpicked and struggled and argued over things that will not mean and equal a hill of beans, when it comes to eternity. And Jesus is saying, just be united. Just, God, I want my people to be united. That's what the world is going to know. They're going to know my unity. They're going to know my unity. And so are we united? Are we able to set down differences? Because here's what I believe is going to happen when we're in, ter- in, in eternity. I believe that we will, you might stand and worship next to a guy who you've had an argument about whether or not you should speak in tongues today or not. You may have had hour-long argument about whether tongues exist tonight. And if you don't even know what I'm talking about, just, just you get to erase it. You'll worship next to that guy in eternity. Because what's important is, is your, your faith in Jesus. I believe you'll raise your hands and worship next to the person who you've argued with that they think we should sit in, in reverence towards God. I believe we'll worship next to people that we we think we worship differently. I believe you'll spread your arms out, revealing that you have a tattoo and maybe a past, next to the woman who has her head covered and it is a long long skirt, a long skirt to the the ground. Because we argue and nitpick and create denominations and, and bicker over these things that don't mean a difference between heaven or hell. So what I love about this church, what I love about branches is that in this room, we all have differences that don't mean a difference between heaven or hell. But we all say we can be united in Jesus. We can be united with one laser focus, and that's that Jesus is our Savior. And that's what Jesus was praying. He was praying that we would be united as one body just as he and the Father is. The early church knew that there was a difference between them. They knew there was differences. But they were laser focused on Jesus. And because of that, they were able to set aside their differences and be worshipers of God. They were able to set aside their differences and in love be generous with each other. They were able to set aside their differences and become a community and invite people into their homes and share life with each other. They were able to set aside their differences and be united and serve one another. And that's what Jesus' prayer is about. God, make my people one. So as all in followers of God, First of all, I think if we list them in order, 
the number one thing is we need to be worshipers of God. Before we serve, before we give, before we whatever, we need to be worshipers of God because everything hangs off of that chain of being a worshiper of God. Everything else lines up with that. And when we do, the world will say there's something different about that group of people because they all look different. They all act different. They all come from different walks of life, but there's something that unifies them, and I want to be a part of that. Go ahead and stand with me. You know, in, in two weeks, we're having Easter. And for me, Easter is like Christmas. I, I for most of you, I really look forward to Easter. I really do because, because it's, like I said a couple of weeks ago, it's, it's the Super Bowl of Sundays for the Christian church. It's our day to say Jesus came, Jesus died, and we're celebrating that he defeated death by raising from the grave and walking out of that, out of that tomb. And, and here's, here's the, the, the principle of this, of this series was to say, church, can we all make a commitment in our hearts to be all in followers of God? Can we start to worship God in a way that, that nobody's ever known? Can you set aside your concerns on what you might look like or what you might sound like or what the band might look like or sound like and just be worshipers of God? Can we, can we serve each other? Can we be generous? Can we, can, we, can we just be united? That's been the idea. Because I believe that on Easter Sunday, somebody's going to walk through this door that has no concept of God, no concept of the church, no concept of, of their need for Jesus as their Savior. And we're going to share that with people. And what they're going to see is a community of people that look, look like the, their neighbors and look like the people that they go to work with and look like the people that work at the, the food restaurants that they eat at. And they're going to say, wow, these are all my kind of people, but they're united, and I want to be united. And I think what's going to happen is we're going to see people come up here and say yes to Jesus and say, I want to be part of God's family. And we're going to get to rejoice with God when people make that decision because we've made a decision to say, we're going to be united. We're going to be a church that, that, that worships God. And so, so I just want, as, as, we, as we wrap up here, that you would, you would personally just commit, I'm going to be a worshiper of God. Be praying for that person, that neighbor that you want to see meet Jesus. Be praying for boldness to go and talk to that neighbor. Be praying for boldness to share with, with a friend. You know, you, it's, Easter Sunday is an easy one to say, hey, Will you come to Easter Sunday? Because that's not a weird one for even the world. The world will say, oh, yeah, Easter. They, they have an idea it's about Jesus, or at least that you go to church. And we can see God move in a place and move in the hearts of people and see new family members come into God's family. So pray with me. And, and as we pray, if, if you're willing to make that commitment, would you just, would you just be making that commitment to God? Because you, you can make it to us, but unless you, unless you confirm in your heart with God your commitments, it's, they're easy to break. So, so Father, God, I, I believe that everybody here is just saying yes. That yes, I want to be all in. Here, here's what I believe, God. I believe that some of us are struggling with maybe the, the weight of that. Struggling with the weight of saying, I want to be all in, God, but that means I have to give up, dot, dot, dot. So, God, if, if that's true, would you begin to show that person or those people that, that a lifestyle, a relationship with you is greater than anything we can create for ourselves. That worshiping you is awesome. That, that serving you is, is, is powerful. And, 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 it, and it brings something out in us that we can't do when we don't serve. God, would you begin to just, just help unfold in the hearts of each person 
whatever it is that we need to release that's selfish in our lives so we can be all in for you, so that we can be united, so we can look at each other as we come and worship together and as we do life together, as, as brothers and sisters that just look different, but we love each other because we all are circled around your son. So God, my commitment is to, is to, be, to be walking in that. My commitment is to, is to, is to be encouraging people to, to step into that lifestyle. God, I'd be asking that you are, are um, hearing the commitments right now of, of each person in this room. And God, you'd be blessing that. You'd be bringing about change, Lord. We want to make a difference in Warsaw. We want to be people that love you. We want to be people that are attractive to, to the world that say, I want what they have. And we could do that through unity, God. So, so bind us together. Lord, we love you. And uh, we, just, we come together today to worship you as our Lord.